Good morning, it's May 29th, Memorial Day, and this is To My Liberal Friends. As I predicted on Friday, Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy have reached a deal on the debt limit, at least in principle, and the devil will be in the details. The text is out, and members of Congress are reading it, and there'll be a vote on the House on Wednesday. As I said before, both have a chance to come out of this a winner. Now it will be up to McCarthy and Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries to deliver the votes in the House. Both will be facing opposition within their respective caucuses. So let's take a look at what's been reported to be in the deal. First and foremost, this extends the debt limit to at least 2025. This removes it from the debate during the 2024 presidential election. The new president, whether it's Biden or Republican, will have to deal with the issue. And that's sort of a win for Joe Biden. It was a small cut in non-military spending for the 2024 fiscal year, which begins October 1st, and a 1% cap on spending increases in 2025 fiscal year. Veterans health programs would be exempt. Military spending in fiscal 2024 would be roughly at the level of Biden's fiscal budget request, according to people that are familiar with the matter, which would amount to about 3% increase. That's a win for both sides as McCarthy was able to limit spending with a small cut this year and limit it to 1% in fiscal year 25. This is well below what is expected in inflation. It's a win for Biden by keeping defense spending at what the budget recommended at 3%. A clawback of some unspent COVID-19 money that Congress passed to battle the pandemic, that was a clear win for McCarthy. Much of these funds remain unspent, and the state and local recipients of these funds are not using them for COVID relief, but rather for their own pet projects. If you don't think so, let me list a few. Dutchess County in New York pledged $12 million for renovations of a minor league stadium. Massachusetts spent $5 million to pay off the debts of the Edward M. Kennedy Institute because it was financially struggling. In Puerto Rico, they spent tens of millions on tourism marketing. Washington, D.C. spent $8 million on tourism marketing. $6.6 million to replace an irrigation system at two golf courses in Colorado Springs. $5 million approved by Birmingham, Alabama to support the 2022 World Games. $2.5 million to hire new parking enforcement officers in D.C. $2 million to help Potawatomi County, Iowa purchase a privately owned ski area. $1 million to pay off overdue child support in St. Louis. This list could go on and on as state and local officials use these funds as a slush fund to pay for their favorite projects. Also in the bill is a $10 billion reduction in funds that Congress approved last year for the IRS to boost tax enforcement and modernize the technology. That's a victory for McCarthy. Not as much as he would have liked, but Democrats have vowed not to cut any of that $80 billion they put in the Inflation Reduction Act last year. There's also a provision aimed at pushing Congress to give up its practice of funding the government through a single omnibus bill, as it's done in recent years, and return to the tradition of passing 12 appropriations bills that cover the various parts of the federal budget. The measure has potential to win conservative support for the deal and was pushed by an influential Republican, Tom Massey, a Republican from Kentucky. He believes Congress should follow regular order when conducting its business, and I agree. It's become more frequent for Congress to fail to get these bills passed and then try to pass a multi-thousand page bill at the end of the year in some omnibus or continued resolution. And there's a provision that would call for the U.S. government to operate under a so-called continuing resolution at 99% of the prior year spending until the spending bills are enacted. Lawmakers, they're awaiting the text to see the date at which the cuts will be triggered. That's a big win for McCarthy and Republicans. There's also an imposition of a one or two year time limit to complete environmental reviews for energy projects. Completely, currently I'm saying, 
reviews required under the National Environmental Policy Act of 1970 take an average of four to five years to complete and involve multiple federal agencies. It will be interesting to see how this plays out since it's changing NEPA, which liberal Democrats have vowed to defend another victory for McCarthy. It's also a victory for Joe Manchin because he's now going to get the go-ahead to finish the, the Mountain View Pipeline, Mountain Valley Pipeline, which takes natural gas from West Virginia down to Virginia. There's a temporary extension, expansion through 2030 the requirements of some able-bodied people without dependents hold a job or be enrolled in a job training program to receive food stamps. That was a Republican priority. And the deal would largely require able-bodied, low-income adults without dependents between the ages of 49 and 54 to work to receive food aid, phased in over three years. Currently, those rules resumed by July, adults between the age of 18 and 49 qualify. Well, they've just extended that by five more years of age. This is a major point in Republican negotiations, so it's a win for McCarthy. And if you start counting up the wins and losses, it appears that McCarthy did pretty well, at least according to what we know now. Now, already the far right wing of the Republican caucus has started to complain about what they know is in the deal. At the same time, the progressive caucus, the liberals, for the Democrats, don't like the bill either. This is exactly what I said would happen last week. It would be up to McCarthy and Jeffries to gather the votes among Republicans and Democrats to pass the bill. A failure to pass would probably leave the Democrats on the hook for the majority of the blame. The bill will then have to go to the Senate. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has praised Biden for getting a deal done and told members of the Senate to expect votes next weekend. Mike Lee, a Republican senator from Utah, has said he will hold up the bill if it doesn't meet his expectations. That means that Schumer and McConnell will have to ensure they have at least 60 votes to stop anybody from objecting to bring the bill forward. Assuming that the leadership in the House and Senate can marshal the votes to pass the agreement, then perhaps Congress can turn itself to some more pressing issues that really the people care about. But make no mistake, this agreement slowed down the spending binge Democrats have been on in recent years. It's a small step toward reining in the runaway train of spending, and should Republicans win in 24, perhaps we will see some meaningful controls put on government spending and try to bring our federal budget into more a balanced approach. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, recommend it to your friends. And if you have something to say, make a comment. I'm always glad to read them.